Hello, and welcome to Quarantunes, where we discuss how musicians have been handling the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm your host, Quinn Booker, and today I have an interview with the Steel Wheels. The Steel Wheels have done some amazing things over the pandemic. They're one of my personal favorite bands. They've been touring for about 10 years now, and they consist of five members. Trent Wagler, Jay Lapp, Eric Brubaker, Brian Dickel, and Kevin Garcia. However, this interview is only with the first three members that I mentioned. Without further ado, let's listen. So, thank you so much for being on my first podcast episode ever. Um, what an it's, honor. it's very exciting. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah. Uh. Could you guys introduce yourselves and your band for the listeners? Sure. Uh, I'm Trent Wagler, and um, we're together. We're in a band called The Steel Wheels, but I play um, guitar and banjo, and I do a lot of the singing for the band. Oh, this is Jay and uh, for The Steel Wheels, and I uh, sing backup vocals and uh, i play the mandolin and electric guitars and also a baritone guitar and this is eric brubaker i play fiddle and i do some backup vocals as well yeah um so before we get into like the pandemic e questions i have a few fun questions to ask you um when you guys were starting out and you were a more up-and-coming band and you were opening for bigger acts um which one that you opened for do you think was most memorable for each of you well um the first one that comes to mind in terms of memorable is not necessarily because of the band themselves but when I think it was on Jay's birthday years ago, um, but we opened for a band called like TR3 or something at JMU. And the memorable part was that during our set, the electricity cut out and this, it was a pretty big auditorium. TR3 gets its name for Tim Reynolds who played with Dave Matthews for years. And so he kind of had a big name, especially in the Virginia area. And um, so it was a very big crowd. We were sort of an up and coming band the electricity just cut out during one of our songs. And um, and so what I remember about that was just that we kind of looked at each other as we're playing and just stepped out in front of the microphones and just kept playing our song, even though there was no amplification. And so a whole bunch of people probably could hardly hear us, but it was kind of a, we didn't feel up until that point in the set, like we were doing that great. And it sort of grabbed the audience because of the, I don't know, the, the, the struggle that we had to overcome the lack of a sound system. So that was a very memorable one to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, when we opened for Railroad Earth, uh, the, ah, am I stealing Jay's? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, uh, um, I think, was it a New Year's Eve show or? Or no, no. Okay. I don't think so. I think it's just that that crazy at Times Square anytime. Right, right. Yeah, so it was at Times Square, and uh, we had to uh, load in. And I just remember feeling kind of lost in the big city. And I was the one that had to drive the van, like, 
like eight blocks across Times Square to find a parking space for a big van and then just walk across and like into this big theater where it felt like, oh man, there's going to be a big party here. And then I don't think anybody in the end even really knew who we were or why we were there. <laughs> but it was a good experience to have a big theater setting like that. Yeah. Well, I uh, have two quick ones. One is the band that we didn't open up for. And um, we got asked to, uh, we were in the middle of a big tour and um, we got asked to open up for Rusted Root for like a month. And um, that would have been, so in my mind, I'm just imagining what that would have been like to be on the road with Rusted Root going from place to place not really knowing where they f they fit in the scene at the time either. And, um, but it just kind of left us all wondering what would have happened there. Uh, and that's kind of fun. Uh, however, the, uh, I don't know, what just pops into my mind is um, we, we opened up for another Virginian, Scott Miller at the Bijou Theater in Knoxville, Tennessee. And, um, that was quite a, a, a wonderful experience because the Bijou Theater is, is awesome and, and Scott Miller is such a fantastic storyteller and songwriter. And um, that was just one of the more memorable um, openings that, that uh, we've done, in my opinion. Those all sound very fun. <laughs> um, and then kind of on the same page as that, if you could, um, if you could perform with any living artists now, who would you want to perform with? Mm. Like not open for, just like do a show completely with. Actually play with. Oh man. I'll go first. Um, just off the top of my head, uh, I think it'd be fun to, to jump in with like a legendary bluegrass artist and somebody like Del McCurry who just always has just like just a top-notch band and so I wouldn't even uh, attempt to fill the shoes of of their fiddler Jason Carter but um, but it would just be fun to just just sit into that uh, it, they have such a, a unique and uh, timeless sound and they're just legends in their in their field, and I can't think of too many people like that where they're just like, just the epitome of what they do. They do it really well, and they've been doing it well for for decades. Yeah, I think I I thought legendary as well, but I was thinking it would be amazing to share the stage, and be along for the ride with Mavis Staples. Um, just such a voice and such a such a wealth of experience and such a presence and energy that I think I would love to be in the backup band and just get to be a part of that energy going out into an audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I've been listening to a lot of Bonnie Raitt lately mm -hmm. um, on, on the turntable. And um, man, I just, where I'm at now with kind of what I'm into musically, I think that that would just be amazing to play with her uh that would just be that would be awesome yeah now i think we should probably address the elephant in the room 
um, the pandemic because obviously live music is not really a thing as of right now. So I know that you guys have been doing a bunch of different stuff to interact with your fans. Um, and for example, like at the beginning of the pandemic, you did a March Madness style competition for your songs. Can you describe more about this and how it works and how you came up with the idea? Well, it's, it's almost seems funny now because the pandemic has been so long and so many things have kind of been canceled or ended because of it. But at the time, if we can um, remember back to the beginning that when things were shutting down, it was early March. And that was one of the first big events was the NCAA tournament um, that was canceled. And so it felt like a really appropriate thing, uh, even though now in the long span of things, I wouldn't even say that's like one of the top five things that was canceled or changed or altered. Mm -hmm. But at the time it felt like a big deal that we weren't doing March Madness. Um, so anyway, yeah, the way we did it. And so it was kind of taking off from that of like, well, there can't be a March Madness. We'll, we'll do a Steel Wheels March Madness. And so we tried to, uh, the fun part was like designing the tournament, uh, the brackets and, and coming up with which songs would be uh, against each other. And it was just a voting thing. It was just like getting people to vote for their favorite songs and decide if you had to pit one song against another, what would win and uh so yeah it was there was some surprises there were some that we we knew would make it to the very end and uh yeah it was really fun do you think that it was like a success in terms of like um keeping morale up in the very beginning of this monster that is the pandemic <laughs> uh yeah i i do i, I think I mean, I think it was a really fun activity for our fans and it also gave a chance for people to listen to songs that maybe they'd forgotten about or had never heard. You know, I do think being a band that's been around a while, some people either got into our band, you know, on one tour and that's the album that they always listen to and they haven't paid attention to the last three albums we've released or on the other hand, somebody just gotten uh in tune with what we're doing in the last couple years and they don't realize we have all this back catalog so the tournament of 64 songs or whatever it ended up being uh gave people a lot to listen to and so it engaged people and i i know we got a lot of feedback at that time of just like boy it was so fun to go back through and listen to all the songs you know um so it was and it also was a light you know fun thing to have at the beginning when otherwise there was not a lot of light and fun things it didn't feel like uh in the early pandemic but yeah I, I i loved um my favorite part of that whole thing was the pictures that our brian the our bass player mm -hmm. um he crafted for the, um this uh fun march madness and it included picture our heads transposed onto other basketball players and i just love that kind of stuff and that made me giggle yeah, I thought the voices were pretty hilarious. So I did partake in this March Madness event. And I think, personally, that Spider Wings should have placed higher on that list. Yeah. And I'm quite offended that it's not. Um, but anyway, what did you have for your number one pick? Like, if you had, which one did you have go all the way to the end? 
I don't think I like filled out a bracket. I'm ashamed. Yeah. And you know, you can't pick a favorite among your songs. They're all your your babies. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would. I mean, I I think given that we have quite a catalog of songs. Um, it's it's, e it's easy for me to kind of be in the new song phase, um, you know, and thinking about songs from our last record. There, I I wasn't surprised that Red Wing was kind of the uh, the golden egg, um, but yeah, I don't know. Rains come or or like one of these one of these songs off the new record. I don't know. It's kind of the mindset that I was in. I, I think it's it was an interesting study and in just sort of seeing what people are drawn to and and it did feel like in some ways nostalgia won over like critical listening to actual song you know like what and a song like Red Wing that's been around for a long time and holds a lot of meaning with the festival and everything um, I think it it made sense that it won. It wouldn't have been my top pick if I was to say this is like our crowning achievement in song. I wouldn't put Red Wing at the top. Um, and I'm not sure. There's a whole list of songs I like for different reasons. Kind of like what Eric said, There's they're kind of like picking your babies, but there's certainly some songs I'm more proud of than others. Um, and sometimes it's not the ones that people ever really remark about that you feel excited about what you've done. Anyway, there's uh, there's songs that we some I sometimes really love, either the the deeper meanings or layers of the of the lyrics or something that happens sonically that just kind of blows by people and they don't even really think about it. Um, but uh, and some of those are you know songs like "Hold On" um, is one that's just kind of a little more subtle, but I always just love the way it it has this slow burn to it. I also like the song "Falling." which isn't going to make it to the end of, uh, but I love a lot of slow songs and those, those are songs that just, yeah, I don't know. It's not for everybody maybe, but. I think what was another unique uh, thing about that project and uh, what turned out to be like really helpful was that it was one of the first things we did and we weren't second guessing ourselves about like, Oh, is this good critical content to put out in front of people? Everybody was, at that moment, it's almost kind of hard to remember back that far now because, you know, so much has happened since then. But um, right in March, you know, right when everything was starting to shut down, everybody was just thirsty for like, what's going on? I need to connect with people online to see what's going on. And so during that time, we set up our own home studios. And that was like actually one of the first things we recorded. We recorded the theme song <laughs> for for the NCAA tournament. Uh, and, um, but doing that, I think, I think kind of set the tone of like, okay, we're not going to like be precious about getting like perfect, great, like um, things right off the bat. We're going to get some content out in front of people and it can be lighthearted, but it's going to be sincere and like direct to the people who want to hear from us. Nice. Well, <laughs> I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Um, I feel very strongly about this topic. Why don't you ever play spider wings? <laughs> Eric knows my opinion on this. Um, but I would like to hear your reasoning, if, if you don't mind. 
Um, well, honestly, I think it comes down to oftentimes, it, it, it's a very good question, more generally saying like what goes into what you choose to play in any night. Yeah, like um, your set list. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think oftentimes for us, we're trying to put together a new show, you know, something that we haven't done in the past so that if people come each time you come to their town, they're not walking away saying, ah, it's basically the same set list I saw last year. Um, why would I go next year if it just keeps on, they're just rehashing the same exact thing. We, we do take pride in like writing new material and putting out new material and, and trying to put that in front of people. And so oftentimes it's not, what I hate about it is that you end up getting, you kind of have categories of songs in your mind of like, this one's going to be a little more danceable or this one's going to kind of bring us to this point in the night. And, you know, just like with an acapella song, like we sometimes sing around one microphone, we might have four or five of those that we love or that the crowd loves, but you can't do that four or five times in a row in a night. You have to choose one, maybe. Um, same thing with a slow waltz or a sweet love song or a big, fast fiddle tune. You, you don't want to get too many of any one thing. And to me, at least, it seems like Spider Wings has kind of fallen into that category of like this groovy, funky song that we've added a number of new songs that we want to you know, put in front of people every night. And that one gets shoved aside, not because we don't like the song, but because it's, uh, it's in that category and we don't wanna throw too many of those. So that's kind of the back, behind the scenes reasoning for me at least. Um, <laughs> that was maybe your biggest motivation of the whole That interview. was my biggest question, honestly. <laughs> okay, so back to pandemic questions um how has the whole coronavirus affected you guys personally because live music has pretty much nearly all been canceled yeah well it's been quite a roller coaster i would say um you know now it sort of feels like it's in a weird state of normalcy but it's not also um yeah there's been a lot of um ups and downs i'm at the house a lot and um you know everybody's at the house a lot so we're all on top of each other and you know so there's just some of those um as far as like personally within uh family stuff that's that's how that goes but um but we're knee deep in the school year, just as you are, and you know, doing our best to kind of, you know, keep the keep the train moving. Um, I miss playing with the band. I miss being. Uh, I miss playing on the road. You know, um, and I missed out on a on a few shows this past weekend, and and I was uh, glad the guys could be playing, but certainly missed playing with them. Um, but. Yeah, it's it's hard not to be out there playing music or to even be uh, the satellite up here and hanging out in Michigan, you know. Um, but all that said, I have I have hope that there's going to be a resurgence at some point. Yeah, I would say that aside from the um, the obvious, like you know, our our livelihoods turned upside down. A lot of people are in that 
situation um, where like you're, we're suddenly trying to figure out, all right, how are we going to keep some income coming in? So a lot of people are kind of scrambling, figuring out how to reinvent whatever business they're, they are in, especially uh, live entertainment. Um, but there's also like, I, I, you know, over the past decade, we've gotten into this sort of rhythm of life where it's like, um, you go out and tour for a week, a week and a half, uh, and then you come home and you like, and then you have like the dedicated home time. And so there's certain, there's a certain rhythm and flow to life that you kind of get used to. And so to have that completely upended, it's just sort of uns unsettling. There are some good things to it, like being home with the family, um, is, is a bright spot. And, you know, I, I sometimes wish that that I could fully enjoy it more. But of course there's like so much like kind of trauma and, and just sadness just involved in, in the, the, the experience that everybody's kind of living through that it's going to take some, take a while to unpack, but um, hopefully we can still kind of find the, the good spots in it too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's, it's, um, you know, personally, there's been spots that are very creative and like it's been inspired. It's inspired new places for for me and for the band to go creatively. And that is one bright spot or one thing that, you know, we wouldn't have been motivated to probably do this year otherwise. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of uncomfortable uh, questions you ask yourself when you're just there's so many unknowns about when or if or how things will go back to normal. Um, and those are, those are unsettling in many ways. Um, I think that, yeah, like Eric said, there's a rhythm to the life that we got used to, which some, some of that rhythm included missing being home and, and, you know, being on the road for a long enough amount of time that you're like, boy, I can't wait to get home. And so it's an it's an interesting irony to now be home for so long that you just kind of feel like, ah, I, I don't know how to like, maybe I should start sleeping in a different bedroom. So it just feels somehow different because I don't even know, you know like how to uh, get a sense that each day that it doesn't just feel like the same day over and over again. Um, I think also like while we've been able to be creative um, and there's been new ways that we found to be creative that there, there's nothing that really replaces the immediacy of being in a room together and experiencing a moment of music, a musical moment together with an audience and getting the feedback immediately. The live stream thing is, you know, I would still say kind of a poor substitute, but it is a substitute for that. There's still an interaction. There's still an audience feel. It's just very different. Um, it's, you know, it's not quite the same as when you're just playing in front of your camera because you do know that people are actually watching it, but it's hard to totally connect because it's not the same. So there's aspects of that that you're learning to kind of adapt to. But um, but yeah, I think as as Jay said, we just came off of, you know, the rest of the band came off of a couple nights of playing and it felt remarkably normal, even though people were in their little pods and it was a much smaller group in every, every situation than we're used to um, necessarily. And, and for good reason, um, 
at the same time, it, it felt remarkably normal. And that was, that was really encouraging in a way. Um, I don't know if, you know, once it warms back up, if we'll get a chance to do some more of that kind of show, that's great. But we really didn't do much of that through this whole eight months or whatever it's been. Yeah. So um, you were saying how you found like new creative ways to connect uh, with people. And one of those ways I know is a distance together program that you started. Um, can you explain what that is and how you think it's going so far? <laughs> yeah, um, right about the time we finished that March Madness uh, as kind of our first little um, Hail Mary into uh, the, the big, I don't know, world of, of media and, and our fans or whatever, we, we decided just to put a call out to um, people who knew who we were, I guess, and open ourselves up for commissioned songs. Um, essentially saying, if you pay a little bit of money, we'll either record a song or even write a brand new song for you. So it took the form of, in some cases, us recording a song that we've, we've performed in the past. Other times, people uh, asking us to do a cover song that they've always wanted to hear us play or us writing a brand new song. And we... To be clear, that process also included each one of us recording in our own office or our own studio and then cobbling those audio tracks and often video tracks together and creating a, a little music video of sorts um, from all of our different isolated locations. And in terms of how it's going, I think, uh, yeah, it, it's it was it was a complete like we had no idea if anybody would take us up on it we had no idea if it would be successful we had no idea if we would enjoy it or if it would be like what what did we get ourselves into we didn't know if we'd be flooded with requests or if nobody would do it so there were a lot it was a complete experiment and so all in all i would say it it has gone very well in that we got plenty of requests at times we felt pretty busy and almost overwhelmed but i never felt like we were so flooded that we either priced it wrong where everybody was like, sure. And we just had way too many requests. Um, and it was a fun way to keep rolling along and feeling like a sense of purpose in the midst of some of these months where otherwise as a musician, nobody was out there playing. You didn't feel safe to be out there playing. And yet we could interact in a creative way and create something that had meaning for people. And so, yeah, we're just about uh, this week, we're releasing our Everyone a Song Volume 1 album that's based off of the Distance Together project. So uh, a collection of those songs will be released to the public. And we've also done a podcast, um, much like you're doing today, uh, that sort of takes on each one of those songs and talks about it. So in that way, it's had a, a fun sort of, there's been a couple different aspects to the project that have sort of uh, branched off since we started it that has been really enjoyable. In terms of your new album, we, my family actually commissioned a song for my mom for Mother's Day. Um, so I may have already heard the new album. Um, <laughs> and I think it was, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, but can you like, since I know that Jay isn't with, like, in your little bubble of 
like the three of Eric, Trent, and Brian, um, what was it like to re record, write, and produce the songs that you um, came, like that you wrote stories for remotely instead of like in a studio and being all together? Yeah, we kind of had to invent a brand new process. Uh, several of the band members are kind of spread uh, out over different states. Uh, so I can let Jay speak to what that feel, felt like to be uh, away from Virginia, but, but all of us had to set up our uh, own home studios. And then we basically just sent, uh, you know, recordings back and forth. And so we would get uh, a recording of Trent and uh, then uh, Kevin up in New York would add some drums to it. Um, and then send the files around to the rest of us and we just kind of have to layer on the parts uh, one by one um, and often not really having time to discuss how we're going to arrange uh, not really being able to sit down in the same room and uh, bounce ideas off of each other um, but it was a so it was a completely new type of recording uh, process um, but one that had, I think enabled us to kind of free ourselves from some of the old habits that we might have fallen into. Uh, it's a very immediate thing. You you get a, a track by email, you listen to it, think, okay, what can I add to this? And then uh, lay down your part and send it on to the next guy in line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've had a studio for a while, so... Um... I'm pretty used to working on some, you know, tracks in that way, getting people sending in some of their projects and, and doing that. But then, but this is the most like comprehensive um, work as far as, you know, how much we have done in the past seven months or longer. <laughs> and um yeah, I mean, it's, you know, pretty much all what Eric said there. I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's a lot of fun to be able to uh, explore and just kind of be a studio musician for a while, you know, even though it doesn't take the place of playing live on the stage, there's, there's something really fun about being in the studio and being able to be creative in that way. I feel like, you know, I, I came up with these legendary stories of studio musicians in Nashville or maybe in New York or LA or something, or, or uh, maybe in Muscle Shoals or wherever it may be, where they like, you know, their whole job is just showing up to the studio and they don't even know what the songs are for the day, but they're throwing a little chord sheet and they're like, okay, well, I play bass and here's the lineup. And it's like, they may be recording on four or five different projects in a day and that's just what they do. And that's never been our reality, but I felt like that was much closer to what we were doing all of a sudden where it was like, okay, we've got this cover song by, you know, Bruce Springsteen today and this original song that I worked on and somebody wants us to do a version of Red Wing and say hello to their uncle. And that's what we're working on today. And it just, it, I, to me, it was a really fun process because not only did I get to be creative and get out of my, my own ruts sometimes if we're doing a cover that, isn't necessarily in our style, per, perhaps. Um, but then also the fun part was getting uh, the other guy's work back and realizing like, especially when I wrote something and I'm like, 
okay, here's an idea. And by the time I get it back and I get to hear what Jay did and Eric did and Kevin and all of this, it's like such a treat because I wasn't there to get to hear the beginning of it. I just get to hear all of it with all the ornamental sounds over it. It was a real gift to me to get to be a part of that process. You get to open up your email and just be like, oh, this is, this is, uh, it's such, yeah, it's like Christmas. It feels really exciting. I have two more questions. My first question is, what was, what was each of your favorite cover song that you did for this project? Because I know you did like a lot of different genres. Um, I think it was, my favorite was Billie Eilish. Um, because, a bad guy, because uh, it was so out of the norm and forced me at least to really like focus in on a song that I had heard and I was aware of, but like really learn it and be and respect this artist in a new way and get to, again, kind of get outside of my comfort zone. So that was really fun. Uh, yeah. so commissioned us to do four um, Rolling Stones songs um, off their Exile on Main Street album and to really dive in, like really listen to this uh, album that I wasn't really that familiar with and then put our spin on it was a, that was fun. I liked those songs. Yeah. I mean, I'm right there with Eric on those, the Rolling Stone canon. That was really a, a fun project to do. Uh, I also like the Amos Lee song that we did, When Does It Roll Down? I, I, I like that song. So I very much appreciated your Lizzo um, cover. That was pretty great. <laughs> nice yeah i think that's a cover we never would have selected and so that was probably the one that was the most out of our character but um yeah it, it was fun it was definitely fun to do i have a lot of respect for lizzo too mm -hmm. yeah all right my last question is uh what do you how do you see live music in the future for post-covid because it's obviously not going to be the same as it was before yeah that's a good question um yeah yeah so i think about kind of two different things and one is like the the short term of the next six months year two years where we're still going to be living with uh covid uh, in a serious way um and so i think that's going to be continuing to find ways to engage virtually but then also hopefully do some more in-person events, but distanced outside. So I can see more of that happening um, throughout the next year. Um, but then it's kind of a big question mark long-term. Uh, we're seeing a lot of venues shut down. We're seeing a lot of um, the, you know, the support that artists need from their uh, agents and from uh, venues and uh, different team members like kind of their existence their sort of financial uh, stability is is you know kind of up in the air right now depending on how quickly we can get back uh, so that's yeah long term it's I don't know maybe other guys have some insights about what it's going to look like but it's it is a big question mark yeah well, I, I think that was well said, Eric. You know, there's a lot of unknowns, but um, 
Yeah, I don't know if I had have any more to add really to to what you said. Yeah, I think the you know the added question of even, I mean, I envision the the kinds of events we just got done doing this weekend being the norm once it warms up again in the spring, likely. Um, and we were seeing a lot of those over the summer starting to be organized. And there's lots of ways people can do outdoors, especially um, safe gatherings, um, especially if we get the numbers down and it doesn't continue to spike like it is over right now. Um, I could see the spring and once the vaccine is more widely distributed, uh, I don't know, festivals where maybe numbers are a little bit down, where people are naturally distancing, but I don't know um, when is it going to feel comfortable for us as a group of, you know, guys from different households jumping into a van and traveling all over the country to do those kinds of events? I don't know. That's a that's another side of the question of like, you know, do we feel comfortable with, uh, I mean, I've never thought of us as being vectors of disease as we're out there touring, <laughs> but but the reality of us jumping in a van together and being in that kind of close proximity. And then of course, going to different communities across the country, uh, even if those events are being held all in all those places and they're outdoors and they're safe, when will we feel comfortable to do that? And all the other bands that typically have seen that as being the model that's the most practical for making a living off of doing their music. Uh, so yes, I offer more questions than answers, but those are some of the things that I think we're thinking about in both the near term and long term. I mean, I have spoken to a few people who are not only trying to consider what the venues are doing now, but also uh, whether or not they should open up a new venue or be considering opening up a new venue in late 2021. And it's, 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 just completely uncertain, just like we never thought we could be where we're at today, uh, February of 2020. We never even would have considered what we're doing right now. I don't know if by this time next year, there will be shows in theaters and clubs where people pack themselves into a small space and watch a band play. That's hard to believe we'll be there in a year's time, but I don't know. Um, it's, it depends on an awful lot of things, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And you're, yeah, trying to bring up uh, sort of the, the other support systems that a touring band needs on the road, like eating at restaurants, uh, staying in hotels, uh, just gathering in, in numerous different places that you need when you're not at home, uh, quarantined uh, from larger population. Uh, and what is all that going to look like? And how, to, how are we going to be able to do that safely? Yeah. Yeah, like this weekend, for example, our band played some shows in Virginia, but every one of those shows was within an hour of Eric and my home. Um, and so we drove separately to the shows. We The shows were all outdoors. So, we, you know, if we did have a green room setting where we were together, we were all masked up, but mostly we were outdoors and never really spent that much time in each other's space. Uh, and those are the kinds of things that if you start to like extrapolate, what would it look like to try to put together a tour? You just wouldn't be able to do that practically. And so I'm hopeful that, you know, once a, a widespread vaccine, you know, I think we just need, we need to be a part of the solutions we can 
Uh, and that's partly like spreading the word that everybody should get a vaccine once it's approved and it's out there. I mean, I think that's another big question is how much of the country is going to choose to actually do that. And um, if we can get that to truly get out there, maybe in another year, year and a half, we are in a place where we can all hang out in a, in a venue and say, boy, wasn't that crazy in, in the rear view mirror. But, um, but for now, I think we need to continue to be creative about outdoor space and ways that we can keep doing it. And simultaneously, the band is going to keep on doing the different projects that we've started doing and hoping that we can keep connecting with each other and our audience that way. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting um, road ahead. Yeah, I think uh, the, you know, the possibility of doing more shows and opening up more in large part depends on individual choices of people being safe and taking care of each other. And we just really hope that, like, yeah, that people continue to, you know, COVID fatigue is real. Like, we're all, it's going to be a long winter. Uh, but hopefully people are able to support each other in the ways that are that are responsible and and uh, keep the spread low. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps up my questions. Thank you for being on my podcast. A pleasure. Thank you, Quinn, for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Quarantines. Don't forget to follow the Steel Wheels on social media. Also, check out their website, thesteelwheels.com, to learn more about how to support them. They have a sustainer program that is similar to a Patreon, where you pay a certain amount each month to support the band, and you get goodies in return. If you're interested, visit thesteelwheels.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Quarantine. I'm your host, Quinn Booker. Don't forget, wear a mask, stay safe, and have a good day. Things we couldn't see Oh my red wing Take me softly To my home now To my family Oh my red wing Hold me closely Take me under The brightest sun Oh my
or death machines or anything between when my time has come and all my days are done if heaven waits we'll breach the gates on her way